As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Racer Swag. Are you passionate about sportsman drag racing? Put your passion on display with custom race-related apparel from racerswag.com. In addition, today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. You're probably familiar with thisisbracketracing.com, but if you're ready to take your on-track game to the next level, you need to check out the This Is Bracket Racing Elite membership community. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Yeah, we've got a, I guess, a fun episode on tap today. We're just going to be telling tall tales and talking stories and in the process of doing that we've got a, a couple of a fun ones that we're going to share and jed and i were bouncing around uh, some ideas earlier this week and we thought uh, well who's the best storytellers that we know in our sport <laughs> and the two that came to mind for us um were rodney fincham which if you've ever heard a story from Rodney Fincham, I, I think you can attest to that. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and also Gary Williams, who is, uh, we both agreed, is, is pretty comical. There's probably a lot of great storytellers, but those were the first two that came to mind. So uh, they'll be joining us today. But um, but before we get into to telling stories, we want to go through our normal routine. What's new and exciting, Jed? What, what's up? Oh, Luke, it's really the same old, same old for me. Um, just, you know, work's really busy and 
JJ's basketball, we uh, we went over three over the weekend. So it was a pretty pretty devastating weekend. Uh, we we need to rename ourselves the Salukis. No offense, but easy. Uh, oh, sorry about that. That was a little jab. But we're struggling. Uh, we're, we're without a point guard, and um, my little man had four of our nine points in one of the games and went scoreless in the other two. So inconsistencies and no point guard. So. Uh, the the Wildcats are struggling right now, but hopefully we'll come out of it soon. So was this a was this a tournament? What do we have? Uh, how do we how do we get three losses accumulated in such a short period of time? Well, we've uh, <laughs> we've had a couple of setbacks. We had one snow day, believe it or not, that uh, oh, okay. that canceled a game, so we had a make up there. And then we had a, a huge rainstorm uh, a weekend or so, or two weekends ago, and. It caused cancellation of a game, so we ended up with one game Saturday and two games Sunday as makeup, and it was a little more than we were prepared for. We didn't handle it very well, so hopefully we'll snap out of it soon. What what about you? Well, I went on the the trip that you stood us up for. (laughs) We uh, are, I want to say annual, because I think it's going to be annual now, but our inaugural Guys weekend out golf trip last weekend. Uh, oh, yeah. As you might imagine, good times. We ended up in Gulfport, Mississippi. We ate dinner in Hammond, Louisiana, which, if you have a map, is not on the way. Um, we <laughs> just, yeah, well, we drove and we, I, I just, we just assumed we're going south. We'll drive till we get to the ocean. And uh, then we're like, why are we in Louisiana? And uh, yeah, we, we didn't study that very good. It probably added about three hours to our trip, but we were telling so many lies and stories in the car that it uh, it didn't really matter. We had a good time. Went with three guys that really suck at golf every bit as much as I do. Well, not quite as much as I do because I did lose the bet. Oh, but close. That's, that's you know, good. it was it was an entertaining um, gamble. Played with one guy, and I don't want to. Uh, I'm not going to throw any throw anybody under the bus and name any names. Uh, he's a racer. <laughs> a lot of you guys will know him. I sliced the ball pretty good, Jeff, yeah. and I got no room to criticize anybody's golf game. But my partner, and, and we played, we played. It was four of us. We played a two man scramble basically versus you know with with a lot on the line. I mean, like our, our massive nine hole bet was who had to buy dinner, and most oh, of yeah. them um, prior to that included alcohol sales. <laughs> but my partner, at one point, we are left of the fairway, which we, we didn't uh, – But I was happy that we were close to our fairway. I mean, that was actually a really good start for us. It was a pretty open course. You could play from a couple fairways over, which really yep. suited our games. But we were to the, the left of the fairway, and there was a tree further left of the fairway. <laughs> and my partner aimed and hit the ball – left of that tree and we played his next shot from right of the fairway wow that yeah, I've is never a seen serious slice like one point, i have a video uh, of of clint oh i mean my buddy that will rename remain nameless <laughs> teeing off and he is legitimately i had to video it because i couldn't we were all laughing so hard he was aimed at the clubhouse <laughs> which was a good 200 feet from the fairway yeah and there happened to be there was probably a dozen people sitting on the steps of the clubhouse scared to death well they seen what was going on and somehow (laughs) by the time that he actually addressed the ball and and reared back to hit they had cleared out 
Like that's where he was aiming. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the ball ended up on the right side of the fairway. So, wow. Yeah. Now, pretty I mean, you, you're, di- you're dishing on my man pretty good there. <laughs> uh, that, this guy you call Mr. Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> man, I hated to miss it. Obviously had uh, a JJ's basketball that I had to, to be at, but I, I'm, I really want to get in on the trip. Um, it sounded like a good time, and I saw a couple of pictures. So it looked like you guys had a great, great outing. Yeah. What, was, uh, uh, what won it, Luke? If you can help me out there with score. Well, we got a little bit better as we went. We didn't get 36 holes in, which was our plan. It got dark on us. Uh, we take a long yeah. time. It takes a long time to chase all the balls that we hit. <laughs> but the, by the end, our, our last nine was our best nine, and it was a hotly contested two-man scramble and um i I believe that the final score was 45 to 47 that's pretty good right wow yeah that's really good i mean that's um that's i'm assuming it was uh a 36 uh a par so uh, is that what we're that's what we're working with nine over through through yeah nine yeah nine over two-man scramble i mean you don't get a lot of shots there so absolutely i think you guys must have played really good yeah, yeah. We started off like 53 to 52, but we did get a little better as we went. <laughs> but we just <laughs> kept playing. Like There's no telling. We'd be close you either to got call. better or kept score worse, one of the two. Yeah, actually, either. either one's pretty popular. There was way too many trees on that course, and I, I took it somehow upon myself to try to hit them all, I think. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, there's only 18 holes, so we played several of them twice. And I, There was one hole, I think it was like the 13th hole. Me and my partner, you know, we take we, we each get a shot each shot that's how scramble works sure we hit the same tree three shots in a row <laughs> he hit it and i hit it and then he hit it or vice versa i think i hit it twice in in, in full disclosure but yeah no we, we really did we had a good time that group just like you like we don't ever go and do stuff like that just to get away with the guys and and have fun on our own so it was uh it was really enjoyable i, I loved it and I, I can't wait to do it again so Okay. I'm looking forward to the next time. I'm going to definitely be in next time around. Sure, sure. <laughs> you want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world. All right, Big Jib. This is the uh, part of the show where we transition back to some uh, current race talk before we get into our folk tales and stories that may or may not have some truth to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some news and notes for this week. I'll start this off. I got two emails that jumped out to me uh, waiting on me when I came back from our little golf excursion, and uh, and they kind of made me smile. I wanted to talk about them just a second. The first was from Memphis International Raceway, and the folks at Memphis know that uh, Jabo's down there now along with uh, Dom, and they had a pretty cool program set up. It, it felt like they took a little page out of uh, Bill Bader's book up there at Summit Motorsports Park, our, our guest from last week. But uh, at Memphis, they've got a points fund, or a points program, in which they're basically taking, I believe it was either the top four or the top eight. I should pull up the email, so I'm a little bit better versed on this. From both Super Pro and the Pro or, or uh, No Box class, and they're running them off for like a golf cart and uh, and some other neat uh, prizes along there just basically building up a points program for the local bracket racers i thought that's awesome i'm obviously four hours from memphis i'm not going to take advantage of that but that's the type of thing that they probably got sponsored so it didn't necessarily cost the racetrack a whole lot of money and it's a huge carrot to dangle out there for the racers 
Yes, it is. To, to get them, you know, to patronize one facility and kind of run a points program there. That, I think, you know, we, we tend to focus a lot on what we as racers can do to help local bracket racing, but programs like that are huge. And I think uh, the more stuff like that that comes out, the better for everybody. Yeah, and me being a, a bottom bulb fan, Luke, the, the thing I like the most about that is is those racers get the same opportunity at the grand prize, per se. So uh, that's, that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, very you know. cool. So. Go, go bottom bulbers. <laughs> I don't even want to get into the bottom. We started a little firestorm with last week's podcast. We'll discuss that another time. Uh, we, we, yeah. got, we got fun stuff this week. So the other email I got, and I'm sure uh, most of you seen this because it went kind of uh, all around the racing internet Monday, I think, was from IHRA and that uh, IHRA basically sportsman events, they're Summit Series events or the sportsman classes at their national events are going to be aired live on ESPN3. And I think that's huge. Now, immediately when you saw it, it just said IHRA Sportsman on ESPN. And you think, what on earth is happening? It's on ESPN3, which for those of you that aren't familiar with ESPN3, that's that's an internet-based program. But it's still ESPN, the worldwide leader. I'm familiar with ESPN3 because I watch a lot of basketball on it. Our, uh, like our, my beloved Salukis, when they're not on TV, I can always find them on ESPN3. So in its infancy, like this program may not be much more than what we're used to seeing on Bankshift or on Motormania, but I think it doesn't take much to see the potential growth for this and it being centered around sportsman racers. Like I just, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see IHRA taking the initiative there. I am uh, excited for the, the stage that sportsman racing is going to be on. Obviously I hope that they use the opportunity to tell a good story. And I hope that as racers, like those of you that are for that frequent the IHRA series, I hope you give them a good story to tell. I think this is an awesome opportunity. I was really excited to see it. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. The reach alone of ESPN three is is going to is bound to create some opportunities for some sportsman racers. So, looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah, hopefully it, it helps participation and gets the word out and keeps IHRA moving forward. Yeah, very cool to see. And then I think what's going to become a recurring segment on here because a this race is kind of our baby. And B, like, this all-state race has taken on a life of its own. Like, I just feel like it's got a buzz that's almost unmatched in, in sports and drag racing right now. Like, people are really getting behind this. It's just some updates on what's going on with the all-state race. Britt has, and Galen have brought on um, Scoggin Dickey Performance Center, uh, the race shop there, to sponsor this deal, which I think is huge. Kudos to Britt because he has really taken this idea. I don't mean to single out Britt, Britt and Galen. have really taken this idea and run with it. And that's what it would take to make this work is really somebody behind it, really pushing it, really promoting it yeah. and creating this buzz. And they've done that. So I think that's really cool. And I've been kind of keeping up with the, the teams as they've kind of been announced. I know uh, I thought it was really cool what KB did with the South Carolina team, basically uh, yeah. announcing one team member a day and uh, and having a little bit of build up around it with a a little bit of explanation, and, and I got fired up. I think it was today I saw that he put Scott Duggins in there for uh, the utility driver, and that's a name I haven't heard in a lot of years, but a guy I have a ton of respect for. So I look forward just to racing with Scott again and seeing him out there, but I, I thought the way that KB did that was really cool. Yeah, man, he's he's really done a good job with the way he, you know, he's a very quiet guy, so it's just really unlike him to, to do it that way and, and watching it play out and how he's, uh, given their credits and their uh, the things they've accomplished, it's uh, really well done. And I'm 
I wish I hadn't thought of that for my team, so now I'm going to have to come up with some other way to be innovative. But it's, uh, it's well done by KB. Yeah, no, and it's just neat to see how much pride and ownership everybody's taken in their team. Like, I, I feel uh, a little bit left out or out of place as the, as the team captain for Illinois. I'm a transplant, and I've never spent a lot of time racing in the state. So, like, I just don't have the ties. Plus, our state is odd. Like, it's kind of a conundrum for, for local racing because, like, Byron has a really strong program. Byron's six hours from me. But, like, the, the, the stronger bracket programs in our state border other states. Like, there's Byron and there's Madison. Your gateway is actually technically in Illinois. And then, like, our area down here, well, we're close to Kentucky, Missouri. And when I think of, like, the good racers that frequent those tracks, like, half of the good racers or half of the race, the names that come to mind at Byron come from Wisconsin. Like, three-quarters of the names that come to mind at Gateway come from Missouri. Our area down here, a lot of the good racers live in Kentucky or Missouri. So it's, um, yeah, whatever. I I think we've got a a solid team. And I'm actually, I'm going to use this opportunity to, like, announce my team, I guess. Um, because I, the more that I think about it, and I've been not overwhelmed, but I've had a lot of interest in joining Team Illinois, which is great. Thank you. But the more I think about it, I think I'm going to take your tack, Jed, here. I, I have a hard time displacing anyone that I had on my podcast team because it's almost yeah. like telling them, hey, you know, now that push comes to shove and this is really going to happen, I don't think you're good enough. <laughs> I don't really feel that way. And the thing about it is, like, it's a tough spot. Um, Troy Williams alluded to this. I saw his Facebook post on posting his team. A, like, every state has a bunch of good racers, and Illinois is no different. And most of them are my friends. So it's just so difficult to, A, pick the racers that you think are the best, and then, B, you're worried about taking somebody off. So my team is the same team that I talked about here. And if I remember off the top of my head, we have B. Folk and the Dragster. We have Andrew D. Piazza in the door car. Nick Folk and the Stock Superstock. Brett Williamson on the bottom. I'm going to run the 890 class. And as the utility, I'm going to put Chad Isley in there. For the female, I'm sorry, call me biased all you want. I'm putting my wife in there. And if, uh, obviously, I hadn't even discussed this with most of those people. So if they can't make it, we'll bring in alternates or fill those spots. But that's what I'm going to stick with. I'll, I'll make an official announcement at some point this week. But you heard it here first. Team Illinois is coming for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will follow suit there. And uh, the original Alabama Slammers, I've, I've talked to all of them. They all plan to be at the event. So it, it just wouldn't make any sense whatsoever to pick anyone outside of them they're all going to be there they're all ready and willing so we will stick with that original team i'll announce that soon but uh, our female choice is racing rachel henderson she will be added to the slammers and uh, looking forward to coming up and competing it's going to be an awesome time and um, my teammates are jacked so i'm excited excited that they're excited it's going to be an awesome time yeah, no, I definitely uh, look forward to kind of settling the score there on the racetrack. Now, granted, I think if we ran that race 30 times, we might have 30 different states win it, but uh, yeah, I, it will be very cool and, and something very fun to be a part of. So, at any rate, kind of transitioning over today's show, like we said, we're going to have plenty of opportunity over the next 10 months to talk about actual racing as it happens on the racetrack. And we're going to get started with that next week as we kind of preview the NHRA season before it gets started at Pomona. But today, we just wanted to take the opportunity to tell some stories. And in the process of doing that, we thought, you know, like, I know Jed tells an awesome story, but we've got to 
bouncing back and forth and thinking, well, who else tells a really good story? And as we mentioned earlier, we're uh, for your listening enjoyment, we're going to have Rodney Fincham on here, Gary Williams on here, just shooting the bleep and, uh, and having a good time <laughs> with us here today. We had a couple of stories that we were going to tell as well, and I just, like I told Jed, I'm, I'm going to go first here because... Of the four people that we've got sharing stories today, I am by far the least entertaining. So if I try to follow Jed or Gary or Rodney, I'm going to sound like more of an idiot than I'm going to sound like right now. <laughs> and I actually had a couple of, of stories I was going to tell, and I just feel I, now that I see kind of what we've got coming today, I need to get out of the way. So, Jed, what I'm going to do, I'm going to let you pick. I had like three stories that I think are mildly entertaining. And I'm just going to give you the, the basics, and you pick one, and that's all I'm going to do today. So I've got a story okay. about a buddy of mine that, that crashed at Hallsville and went on to win the race. I've got a story about when I was in my younger days, giving my father gray hairs, and if his namesake ever does anything like that to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Bless my dad's patience. And, and then I, and I've got a story about leaving home with enough money in change to fill up my motorhome and go into a, it wasn't a million dollar race, but it was a race where you're going to spend a thousand dollars. And I had like 20 bucks in the bank. <laughs> so that was an entertaining one too. One of my stupider moments, but an entertaining one. So I'll let you have your pick. Where are we going today? All of those stories sound entertaining and, and intrigue me uh, greatly, but you started off with a story of a guy that crashed and then went on to win the race. I'm assuming that he crashed in the same race that he won. So I believe I'm going to have to hear that one. That's a good one. I'd actually like not forgotten about this, but I hadn't told this story in a long time. And when we were having our most embarrassing moments conversation, Stephen Hughes, my old buddy, the shoe from Texas, had a, had a little comment on Facebook reminding me of this race. And it wasn't really an embarrassing moment for me, but it's a funny moment. Um, <laughs> what happened, this, the Southern Super 10 series was a, a series that used to run in, in our area. It was Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi for the most part back in early 2000s, um, you know, big dollar bracket series. And it came to Hallsville, Texas, which was about two and a half, three hours east of where I lived at the time. And uh, so we go out there and it, that series, my click in that series was the, the Lopez brothers, Jeff and Robbie and Rocky McLean and Daryl goes, we we travel all these races together. So we get to Hallsville, you know, Thursday evening or whatever for a three-day race. And uh, the Lopez's were good buddies with this fellow. His name's Chad Hankins and Chad still races. He's an awesome guy, but we called him dead on, which was one of the nicknames that Robbie Lopez bestowed on people. And, and I've, Robbie was like the the master of the nickname. Like he dead on came from Rodney, uh, or came from Robbie because dead on went dead on a lot. You know what I mean? And, and it would tell you <laughs> that he went dead on a lot. So hence that. And we raced with a guy named uh, Danny Allen that was like super aggressive on the starting line and dialed his car real tight. And he made a lot of good runs. Like he would miss badly, like all of us do. But when he was on, like look out, you know it's gonna be like sub five package. So Robbie called him sub zero. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he called Daryl Goes' little brother, Jason, Montgomery. And I really don't know where Montgomery came from, but it stuck. You know what I mean? Like, all of that came from Robbie. So, <laughs> at any rate, we, we get to the track, and dead on, I think it was his birthday or something, and he's grilling out, everybody come on down. We're going to have steaks. It's going to be awesome. Y'all come down. Yeah, everybody's invited. Come on down. Come on down. And I didn't really know dead on, but I, you know, I was buddies with Robbie and Jeff, and he was buddies with Robbie and Jeff. So, come on down and eat, right? 
Yeah. So he grills out steaks, which was fantastic. And and actually, he's still cooking, still cooking for me. He brought down at Huntsville the week before the million. He brought me down some bacon wrapped jalapenos that I, they still make my mouth water. But at any rate, back going back fifteen years, so he's cooking out steaks, and uh, I notice that he's got like his thumb all duct taped up. And I'm like, Dad on, what you do? Man, I was cutting these steaks up right here. And you just got to know Dad on, like he gets fired up. I, damn, I tried to cut my damn thumb off and it was bleeding everywhere. So I was wrapping it all up. But man, the steaks are good, ain't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, the steaks are awesome. Yeah, yeah. So one thing leads to another Friday, we get to racing. And uh, I'm in pretty late in this 10 grander. I'm down to uh, five cars. And Dad on's still in. And Dad on's got the buy run at five. So, uh, and the way it shakes out, I think I had had a bite run. So if I win, I'm going to have to run dead on at three before, you know, the final. So I win at five and I'm thinking, all right, cool. So now I got to run dead on. And of course he's behind me, you know, to make his buy run at five cars. I come back to the trailer and I'm, I'm in that mental mindset. You know, I, I got two rounds to go. You know, if I can make it that far, I'm going to race dead on next round. And hopefully if I beat him, I'll go to the final. And I'm fueling up my car or whatever. And Robbie Lopez comes flying back on the scooter and he's hooting and hollering, we're, we're in the final. Yeah, we're in the final. And I'm like, man, you don't even know what round it is, Robbie. Like, with the, the, I got went down to three and I don't have to buy. I got to run that on. He goes, no, man, that on just crashed. We're in the final. We're in the final. I go, what? He, yeah, yeah, that on crashed. He's out. You're in the final against whoever the other car was. Don't even, that's not the point of the story. The other car is not the point of the story at all. And I go, what? Because Dad On's car, he was in a Chevy 2 that went like 630s or something. I'm like, how did that, what, how did he crash on the Byron? Man, I don't know where you, you're at. You know, Robbie's off. We're in the final. That's all that matters. Da, da, da. <laughs> Wait a second, man. What, what do you mean he, he crashed? Yeah, he crashed. I said, like, where? Like, at the finish line? Is he okay? Oh, no, man. He was like 20 feet off the starting line. He, boom, into the wall. Ah, right, crazy. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, is, did it hurt the car? I don't know. He, he hit the wall. Like, he hit the wall 20 feet from the starting line. Yeah. Well, about this time, he drives, drives by us on the pit road. And I'm thinking, if he's driving back to his trailer, like, he's going to fix that for the semis, right? And as I'm thinking that, the guy that was overseeing the race, Ralph Abraham, is on the PA, like, reading out of the rule book that if you hit a barrier on a single, you're not disqualified. Like, I don't know what rule book he's reading from, but he wow. made him, and he's like, if he can get it fixed, he's still in. I'm like, there you go. Like, I got a race, right? Which, at that point, to be completely honest, like, I ain't that worried about. <laughs> my stuff good. had been really good I'm making good runs and I'm racing a guy that just crashed <laughs> you know what I mean like forget the fact like I, if even if it's just completely cosmetic and he's got to duct tape it up or whatever like that's not a big deal but like just think about it mentally like the last time you staged you hit the wall you're not going to make a run that beats me right here right I mean you're not going dead on yeah, you're not going to yeah, up I'm your name I'm safe. just I'm like It'd be fine. So whatever they call us, and I'm like, you know, he's got to be a little frazzled, like, you know, and he did just cook for us, not for us, good dude. So I just give him all the time he needs, calm down, fix his car, whatever, you know. So I send Robbie down there to tell him that, and uh, so then he rides back a little while later. Says he's ready, going up there. So, okay, so I drive up to the staging lanes, and still no idea what just like. How did he crash his 640 car 20 feet from the starting line unless it broke an axle or something? You know what I mean? And uh. <laughs> I get up there and Dead On follows me up. He hops out of his car. Man, thanks for waiting on me this night. I'm like, yeah, man, you okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Man, you ain't going to believe what happened. 
I said, okay, try me, you know. He said, you know, I was cooking them steaks last night. You remember I them, cut my thumb almost off and it was bleeding. And you know, this thing's been wrapped up all day. I can't get it to quit bleeding. I'll probably go to the hospital. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I, you know what happened is oh, it's been bleeding all day. It's been running down my thumb. And I rest my hand on the shifter and the line lock's right there at my thumb. Well, there's so much blood running down there. It caked up the line lock button. The damn line lock stuck. I staged <laughs> no, up and the front wheels was locked up. I didn't know what to do. And I just, I, boom, I hit the wall. And I'm laughing. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? I said, so that's all. Well, yeah, I had to duct tape up the front end. Man, I'm going to need the front end. I messed my car up. But, uh, but yeah, I, I got that button loose. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So good luck, man. Let's the rest race. Okay. Cool. So I've, I've been in same deal. I'm thinking, he did just hit the wall. Like, this ain't going to be that big a deal. And I don't remember the run that I made. And this may be one of those times where history kind of uh, has a way of making a tall tale a little bit taller. But I made a run that I wasn't that unhappy with. And I'm pretty sure that on was like six total. Like 20 <laughs> minutes removed from stuffing it into the wall 20 feet from the starting line. And he beat me. And uh, if I'm, I don't honestly at that point, I don't remember the final. I think he went on to win the race. So, yeah, that's my story. Dead on, bounced it off the wall, got her fixed up, came back, laid me down less than 10 total in the semis of a 10. So. The rarely used rule exception that if you're on the by run and wreck, then you're okay. It's all good. You get to com- finish competing. <laughs> <laughs> Blood in the line lock button. And then he lays you down a, a sound like a pretty nice lap in the semis and goes on to, to finish the deal. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That, that was a that's, good story. That's a heck of a story. I don't know if I got anything to top that one, Luke. Well, let's be honest, Jed. You just told me a story off air because you said that you did not think it was fit for the podcast. And I'm going to force you to tell it on the podcast because I literally fell out of my chair laughing at you. So, I'm going to tell that one. Huh? I'm going to tell that one, huh? Yeah, so let's talk about your first national event experience. Now, you shared a little bit about your first national event back on episode triple zero. Yeah, same But you same somehow left this part out. Yeah, I, I didn't really talk about what helped me get to that point. So uh, in, in order to, to get to round one, you have to go through a series of things, and um, I, I did that. So it's, uh, it's the Gator Nationals. It's 2006, and... I ain't never been to nothing like this uh, from a driver's standpoint. So Woody Adcock and Sherman Adcock told me they want me to, to drive the Valvoline uh, Pontiac in a couple of races in Superstock. So he says, won't go to the Gators. Well, Woody, I can't go to the Gators because, you know, I've never never run anything like that. We got owner's points or I don't know what they, what they had. So, But he got me in. I'm in the Gators. So... Leading up to the event, trying to figure out my scheduling, how I'm going to get down there. Obviously, going to fly in because I'm a big timer. You know, I've been hired to come in and drive, so uh, that's that's how us big timers do it. We bring our helmet and our jacket, and so Bones has got his stuff sitting in Orlando from the divisional uh, prior to that race, and he says, "Look, uh, you're going to be in Knoxville that week working. You just fly to Orlando instead of Birmingham. I'll pick you up. We'll go get." my stuff can't remember where it was sitting and we'll we'll head to the race so we do just that and we drive all night typical bone style we roll in uh, we get us some outback and roll in about 2 two thirty in the morning we're like the only people outside the, the gate at the gator so everybody's seemed like they've been there forever and they're settled in the last time got I was there. at the gators my pit area was outside the gate so <laughs> we were we were darn close so 
you know, we get us a little bit of sleep, and about 7.50 or so that morning, we hear a serious banging on the motorhome door. So, you know, Bones, he jumps up, I jump up. Whoa, this is, we're in full panic mode here. We don't know. We, we parked, we've run over somebody or something coming in in the dark. We don't know what's going on. This is bad. So it's Hugh Meeks, another one of the Alabama Slammers. And um, he is banging on the door, and Woody has sent him to get me. Now, Woody gets up. Woody's the guy that cranks it on up, gets it up early, and, and does a, a early warm-up. So Superstock's scheduled to be on the racetrack at 1030. It's 7.50, and it, this is not, hey, man, it, it, we're going to need you up here in a little bit. This is full panic mode. Between like, Woody and you, now you've got, I mean, the two coolest guys at the racetrack, but a pretty nervous bunch. Very, very nervous. <laughs> and it's like they're going to throw us out if we're not up there in just a minute. So <laughs> I, and you don't I, don't know even get a, I don't get a shower. I had out back about 10 o'clock that night. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on in my body right now. And, um. Some stuff I'm not super proud of, we'll talk about in a minute. But I, I dragged my old helmet, my, my racing jacket. Actually, I had to wear Woody's jacket because it was the Valvoline jacket. I didn't have a Valvoline jacket, but I do now because I'm a big-time hired driver. So I get in, and, you know, he shows me everything I need to do. Hey, you got to get up there. It's going to take you an hour to get through tech. And we run at 1030. It's 813 right now. So that only gives you like an hour and 20 minutes to drive to the staging lanes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a nervous wreck, and and I'm getting more nervous by the minute. So he he says, go up here, you turn right, and you're going to drive, you know, for about two or three days, and there's going to be a sign out there that says, tech this way, and you go where that sign tells you to go. So, again, I don't know if I told you. I had Outback, 10 o'clock, I'm nervous. I, I've jumped right up out of the motorhome, and I'm sitting in Woody's car riding it to the tech line, and when I get to tech, there's seven or eight you know, different stalkers or like a super gas car, whatever. So I'm sitting back there, but I think I'm the only super stalker based on what I'm looking at. So apparently, you know, I wasn't going to have to wait as long as I thought, but I didn't know that at the time. So I'm like eight cars deep and there's things happening in my stomach right now that, that I hope never happens again. And I, we all do it. Okay. Let's just say I've got a gas bubble. And and, Might and be a it is a little bit of nerves, you know. It's your first night. It's oh, it's bubble guts. It's straight up bubble guts. And and I'm I'm nervous. So it's starting to it's creating pain. So you know the only natural thing to do, and it's it's how we're built. So it ain't like I'm you know dirty guy. I just I go on and do it. I do what I got to do. And it let out as foul a smell as I have ever smelled in my life. And it was it was. It was making noise, so to speak, uh, before I was through doing it. Okay, it was it was peeling the paint off the car. It was the awfulest thing I've ever done in my life. And again, hope to never do it again. Haven't duplicated it to this point. Well, as as that's all happening in my body, uh, a, an elderly gentleman, I guess he was in charge of Superstock. I don't know. I don't know why it happened. Still don't know steps out from in front of the line and points at me, the very last guy in line, and waves me to the front. You know, I've just gotten a free pass to the front of the line that I do not want. <laughs> and, and this is one of those times when you were lucky, but I didn't want to be lucky right now. But 
I still haven't really been through a tech thing, so I, you know, maybe he don't look in the car. Like I said, I, I think you could launch a space shuttle out of Woody's Super Stalker. It had more lights and switches and gadgets in it, and I'm like, this car can't be legal, so maybe I won't, maybe they just kick me out and I get to go watch the rest of the weekend. I don't know. But I, I fire up and drive to the front. Now, keep in mind that something that foul is, it's got really some real staying power. Um, it's just going to hang around there for a little while. This one ain't leaving anytime soon. This one's going to hang out with me for a while. So I roll up to the front of the line. I jump out as fast as I can and close the door. And my elderly guy there, really nice gentleman, says, uh, where's Woody? I said, well, sir, he's back at the truck, and uh, he's he's brought me in to drive this weekend, he and Sherman, and um, I, I'm a rookie here. I don't really know what to do. He said, well, young man, there ain't nothing to this. He said, you pop that hood and that deck lid. And uh, he said, we'll get this done real quick. So I was like, okay. That sounds real good. So I open the door as fast as I can and pop everything as fast as I can and close it as fast as I can. And as I'm walking back to the front of the car to kind of stand there with him, he passes me. And he's grabbing the door handle. And I'm, I'm like, I wanted to say, sir, please don't do that. If, I, if you've got to open that for me to pass tech, just please tell me now and, and we'll call this whole thing off. I'll, my flight leaves in a couple of days. So he grabs a hold of that door and opens it and, and starts to stick his head in the car, Luke. And he was a really nice guy, so I'm not going to judge him by this moment. But he, he said one word. He said, damn, (laughs) as hard as he could. (laughs) And I'm speechless for once in my life. I didn't, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say a word to him. And he said, he wrote like a weight on a little white sticker. He put it on my window. And he said, here, take this, this, and this, and go here, here, and here, and you're done. I said, that's it, sir? He said, son, that's it. You're done. Head on out. <laughs> so I shut, I shut everything. And when I got back in the car, you know, it had much, not much time's passed. When I got back in the car, I mean, I obviously knew why he said what he said. So I muscled up and jumped in there and rode back to, to my pit. And so I've been gone four minutes total. I'm at the Gators, and I'm late for tech, according to Woody. I've been gone four minutes total. When I get back... Woody meets me at the car and, and calls me things that I wouldn't let a grown man call me, but I'm a little nervous, so I'm just taking it. And I'm, you know, the dip spit, it's it's flying in my, it's flying in my face. I'm dipping with him at this point. He's trying to spit it all out in the, in the middle of it, but he ain't getting it all. I'm, I'm eating some of it. And he says, what? end up are you doing i told you you stupid go to tech and you we're gonna miss our run woody woody i've been i've got all that no way ain't no way in hell you've got to tech and got back here this fast i said woody there's a white sticker he just put a sticker and handed me all this paper and he put my weight and he said you're good and and he said how did you do that I said, stick your head in that driver's seat right there, and you'll figure it out real quick. <laughs> and I walked to the front of the car and threw up. I was so sick and nervous. <laughs> and that is my funny story about passing tech at the Gators, where I laid Michael Iacono down a triple zero on my first ever national event round race. 
So, so the moral of this story is if you've got something questionable going through tech, we now know. I know the secret. <laughs> I know the secret. You know, you may run up on a tough guy that can take it. Oh, uh, I knew there was a reason I went first. Okay, good, good <laughs> stuff. Good That's stuff. Good take. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we have got a couple of wonderful guests. I think the majority of our listeners are familiar with Gary Williams. If you are not familiar with Gary Williams and who he is, what are you doing listening to a podcast about sportsman drag racing? Um, but Jed, our other guest, I, I know, I think he's kind of uh, Facebook famous with, uh, what is it, Fast by Fincham? Fast by Fincham, yes. But for our listeners that may not know Hot Rod Rodney Fincham, just give us a brief rundown of what we're getting into here. Well, Hot Rod is uh, is a guy from uh, northeast Tennessee, and he speaks straight up hillbilly. Uh, he's He's got as different a tone and sound as you've ever heard in your life, and this guy is super entertaining. You're going to have to you're going to have to listen closely because he's going to give you phrases that really might not make any sense to you till you just stop and think about it for a second. But super talented racer, but has done it the hard way, for lack of a better way. And uh, it's a guy that a guy that you'll enjoy listening to for, for sure. Absolutely. All right. But before we bring uh, Gary and Rodney on here, I think we're going to go with Gary first. Let's tell our listeners just a little bit about Racer Swag. Yeah, today's podcast is brought to you in part by Racer Swag. You know, Racer Swag is where I go to get my racing apparel. It's where Luke goes to get his racing gear. It's where you should go to get yours. Racer Swag has dozens of design-specific sportsman drag racing, from their own line of shirts and caps to VW promotion designs to thisisbracketracing.com apparel, and even designs that feature specific sportsman racers, including Luke and myself. We all like to represent our love for racing in our own unique way so whether it's at the racetrack at school at work or out on the town racer swag has the designs to let you showcase your passion and look great at the same time see all the cool caps t-shirts decals and everything else they offer check out racerswag.com in addition today's podcast is presented in part by this is bracket racing elite Now, I could tell you how great the elite community is, but I'd rather you not take my word for it. On the line with me briefly is one of our longtime members and the defending NHRA Division 5 Sportsman ET Champion, Brandon Schmall. This is Brack Racing Elite has drastically improved my drag racing career both on and off the racing surface. Since I've joined this elite group, I have received a great volume of starting line and finish line knowledge that has guided me to win rounds that I would not have previously won. The confidence, knowledge, and teamwork that is presented by Luke, as well as the group participants, is second to none when trying to transform your racing program to the next level. I would highly recommend all racers to take advantage of this great educational opportunity. I'm glad I did. All right, joining us now is two-time million-dollar race winner, bracket racer extraordinaire, a good personal friend of mine, and I think probably most important for our purposes today, a heck of a storyteller that has been through some interesting situations, to say the least. Gary Williams, what's happening, brother? Oh, not much, Luke. How are you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Over the years, I, uh, I've heard 
I probably have forgotten more good Gary Williams stories than I remember. So I have no real idea what you're going to select today to, to share with us, but I am convinced that it will be an entertaining story. So what I know we just kind of hit you up with this yesterday and you've got a lot to choose from, but what direction are you going to take us today? Oh, man, there's so many times when you go back and hanging with the Sologies and my brother in general and uh, the extra sauce that we might get into and stuff stuff gets out of hand and crazy sometimes so just trying to remember some of the good ones is the hard part but we'll <laughs> pull stuff some stuff out the hat like uh you know one of the good ones and the bad ones i guess it seems like every time like the at least for me the older the stories get like the wilder they get in my mind so i tend to go back and try to fact check myself at least when i'm going to talk to this many people like, <laughs> i remember when when john fur passed away i wanted to make like a facebook post about him and I what came to my mind was I've only raced him once in my life and it was the semifinals at Norwalk back when that was the IHRA you know that was the biggest IHRA national event and I swear to you my memory was that I was like two take one and my wind light didn't come on and I thought <laughs> you know what I'll just screenshot that round it's still got to be on Drag Race Central somewhere you know what I mean like that that was a bad dude and I right. found it and I was like 11 take six like I made a decent run but I wouldn't right. bet you anything. I laid down like less than five total. So I, I ended up not using it at all. So Yeah, I got tweaked up just a little bit. Yeah, time has a funny way of doing that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, not, to, uh, not to take the spotlight away from you, G-Dub, what, uh, what you got for us today? If we go back in the late 90s, I was running around with a, a wild group, to say the least, when you talk about the Sologi brothers. I mean, they went to a party and a race broke out. And uh, <laughs> we just traveled all over the country, and their biggest thing was to have a good time and stuff like that. So the racing, not saying it was secondhand, but it was it was something that was never really thought about. The main objective was to go have a good time, and but once we got there, they were 100% serious about winning. You know, good guys. Those guys guys there, man. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, their give a darn was normally broken. (laughs) I've got some good Andy Sologi in in particular stories. I don't think any of them are fit for the air, but I I do have some good memories. (laughs) That's the hardest part is editing them. (laughs) That is tough. (laughs) They go from, you know stuff you can't believe and stuff that couldn't be true but you can't make none of them up i mean you're riding around with them guys and they you know get a little bottle of something there to drink and a spotlight and they think a cadillac rental car is a, a vehicle to go chase deer and stuff through the farmer's field so when that's stuff like that you just can't make up and you take a north star cadillac and wide open to a farmer's field not knowing what's over the hill or when the tree line is going to be there and and the guy driving shouldn't be driving and uh you got a spotlight hanging out the window burning ticks off the deer's butt. It's just something that makes it a little little stuff to choose from or getting harder to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's plenty of stories like that <laughs> running around with those boys. Yeah, they sure like the hunting. So when uh during the week when all you had was a Cadillac, that was your tool of choice to go hunting with. <laughs> and you guys were running around in the spin buggies. Oh, yeah. We had the uh, Mike Boss cars with the tomahawk chop hood scoops and uh, looks like an alligator up up in front of you by the dash. The guys in Carolina, they all called us the alligators because we're from Florida with these cars that look like they had an alligator head on. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Y'all did you share winning. I can tell you that. 
Oh, it seemed like we get to the Carolinas there. They, if they had Facebook now or back then, it would look crazy. We were winning on Wednesdays and Fridays and Thursdays and Sunday and in between me and my brother and Andy and Wayne, it was stuff you can't make up. You know, it was good times. Oh yeah. You get late in the race for them guys over in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We're down to like I want to say five cars left, and uh, I do a burnout, and everybody comes running up there telling me shut the car off. I looked down, I shut it off, but it was running fine. I'm like, man, what what's going on? And they said, let your foot off the brake, let your foot off the brake, and they start pushing me forward. And Andy is coming up there, and I hear him screaming, give me a knife, give me a knife. I'm like, oh, he's going to cut somebody, you know? I better get out and start to figure out what's going on. And when I go to get out, they're like, no, 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 stay in the car. And about that time, Andy comes walking by me, rolling the parachute up, and says, "Go ahead, <laughs> cut the parachute, clean off the car." And he's like, "Yeah, go ahead, you got it." I won that round, but I wasn't able to win the race. But we had to tie that parachute back on. That was safety. <laughs> <laughs> so the parachute—I I was there for this one. The, the parachute rattled out like when the tires hit in the burnout, and you backed over it, correct? Yeah, I started backing over, and they're all screaming. Uh, I stopped, and I still didn't know what was going on. So now they make me push the car off the parachute, and Andy, the starter's rolling it up, and Andy's yelling, the starter hands Andy a knife, and he cuts the parachute off Y'all as close as the back of the car. And when I realized what happened, I was like, oh, well, uh, they're not going to let me run. And the starter walked over and got in the middle of the lane, and I'm like, it's eighth mile and quarter mile track. I'm good with it. <laughs> So, I mean, nowadays, you, certain tracks that that wouldn't happen, that wouldn't fly. Yeah, I'm with the all the internet, all that stuff with the live feeds. You definitely wouldn't get away with that. Yeah, my buddy Luke, there, first time I ever drove his car. I want to say we we're in Valdosta, and uh, he had the crazy little Vega. I want to, I want to say it was like yellow and all colors back then. Yeah, yeah. We just had the straight up McDonald's sponsorship. We was just missing the arches. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, definitely colorful, let's say the least. And uh, I, I get seated off in this thing, and we're talking. I'm going to run it in foot brake. And now all's good. I pull it up there to the lane. Luke comes over. He goes, hey, if this thing feels like it runs over a small dog when it leaves, that's normal. <laughs> this thing left it barked at me a little turned a little left and we're good we went on down the road i come back i was like it did now that you say that just like we ran over a small dog i haven't heard jared's comment or jared's dad running over the track dog that one's got to come to point sometime that was a sad day (laughs) that same weekend Luke closes, comes up there and says something to me in the water box. I like, mean, everybody's fast. And he closes the door and turns around and tells my brother, this is where Gary crashes the Vega. <laughs> <laughs> I went down there and hit the brakes and had it all kinds of not straight. But that wind light came on. We were happy it could be. It was still rubber side down. I have faith in you, G-Dub. <laughs> Sounds well, like it. It wasn't like you stopped me. You just said, this is where it crashes. <laughs> you were the guy that told me it was fast out. Yeah, exactly. I, I laid the template for you. Yeah. Hey, Troy, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
was the same track where uh, Bug McCarty threw Troy in his in his pickup truck. I said, hey man, drive the drive that gambler's race for me. That'd be cool. And then proceed. Troy agrees, of course, because I ain't never seen Troy back back off of much of nothing. And then <laughs> as he's pulling into the water for first round, Bug leads down in the car and says, "Hey man, be careful. This thing tried to hunt the wall." And Troy shuts it off and looks at him and goes, "What? Yeah, man, that's why I wanted you to drive it. I can't get the same much down the racetrack." <laughs> 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 is it just me or does it still up wall? Yeah, I just wanted to see what it did. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah, but y'all were telling the stories about um your worst embarrassing stories there. I felt like Peter, me and him started our real, our racing career off on totally the wrong foot. As soon as I got a vehicle that had reverse, I took off in reverse. <laughs> I Wait, a Wait a minute. Wait a minute, G Now, now the <laughs> you're trying to tell me that you did that too? Oh yeah, and the, the it was my first round of eliminations in a real vehicle. No, <laughs> I made some test runs now, and everything was good. Well, I was doing exactly what he was talking about. I was going deep, but that was red, so I had to bump it backwards into the pre-stage just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got all hyped up come first round, and I moved my right foot to the floor and left the old brake up there, and it just peeled out as hard as it could peel out in reverse, and it was a, a Chevy 1500 truck, you know, and I just reached up on the column and moved that thing from R to D, and it went from spinning backwards to spinning forward, and uh, I peeled out, but I wasn't able to take a wind light out of this deal. I, there was not a chance, and I could ever do that. He, yeah, I'm still trying that's to figure out people some wind lights come off. <laughs> yeah, that that was the most amazing part of that story was that he got a wind light. And <laughs> did you even make a race out of it? I mean, was it? Or no, was it? I tried to fire out the guy, but even in reverse, but he caught me at like I want to say half because we were in quarter mile too. So he's down there, burm, 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 and I'm got my oh. arm out the window, like, trying to flag him off, throw out the white towel, all that stuff. But yeah, it, it wasn't good. I did come back around. Back then they had. Uh, consolation races at our home track to where if you lost in sportsman or super pro or pro or anything like that you can get in this race that paid like a hundred bucks or something you know it was concy they called it in the i ran through some super pro cars and all in my dad's tub truck out there and got to the finals and ran underwood and he showed me why he's getting the underwood <laughs> well, it sounds like you <laughs> redeemed yourself pretty quickly <laughs> Uh, yeah, first race, reverse, same night, made it to the finals of Concy. That was about as good as I got. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I, I got to know what the record is. I think I've heard it, but I can't remember. What's the record for the most people in one vehicle that you've raced with? That I've raced with? Yeah, I, I, I think you were part of the, the group. That I, I was in the, van. In the vehicle, but I yeah. was not driving the vehicle. Right. Well, it sounded like yeah, everybody had a hand. Participants. Yeah. How many participants was was in the vehicle? Well, I mean, not saying no names, but my brother got it from a. I think they know. It now. ran in I the think family. They give it away. It, it ran in the family, like that. You know, my brother ran with that many people in the van because my dad was doing it back many moons ago, <laughs> and my I tell you how long ago it was. A Hill just went four ninety nine, and wow. my dad put 499 on his window and we're pulling around the corner now this van had no back seats or anything we're all sitting on coolers and everything and and, and the rule was once everybody got in you had to lock the back door because most of us fell back and hit the back door when we took off so <laughs> us young kids we had to sit up front and hold on to the back of the seat because he didn't want us falling out on the racetrack but <laughs> 
Some of the you never want your kids falling out on a racetrack. <laughs> no, you never want your babies laying on the starting line. That's not what we're talking about here. It's but. one thing if the cooler falls out the back of the van, but the kids, yeah. man, if we got to drop the line somewhere. He would go around the corner and he would write a two in front of that 499 backwards on the inside of the window, dial 2499, because that was the slowest we're allowed to go. <laughs> Scratch out. I'll get hooting and hollering and screaming. He'd go down there, stop at the finish line, and he'd either decide to try to get there or just wait on them to blow by and see if they broke out. You know, one <laughs> of the two. But Troy, in competition, had enough seats in the van. How many did that thing hold? Nine passengers? I heard the number nine. It was full. And uh, Troy driving, Rod Johnson in the passenger seat, Manny sitting back there with his half shell on. As soon as we left, <laughs> Got going good. Troy turned around to see what was going on. We're all saying what we thought the trees were and all this stuff. Troy sees Manny and just starts busting out laughing <laughs> in his half shell back there. And his group. <laughs> we win that round. We come back and he says, I don't care what happens. Manny can't sit where I can see him. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool at Lakeland was that you're, you know, you can, as long as you have a seatbelt and a helmet for all your co riders, you can have them. So we had nine, eight go riders with helmets, and the driver with seatbelt, no helmet. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing by the rules. Yeah, we were good to go. But that, that right there was back in the good old days, I'd say. Yeah, I heard sound like some good old days. We ran boat homes and stuff. We just ran a you know, nine-passenger van that was very competitive. <laughs> oh, the bluebird. Oh. That thing right there is rounded NASCAR tracks and won all kinds of races. <laughs> well, good stuff, Gary. Good stuff. We've uh, between you and and, and Rodney Fincham, we've uh, we've definitely got an entertaining show for the guests today. Man, thank you for coming on. We'll get you back on later this year. I'm sure you'll win something major that uh, that we'll have to talk about. We'll bring you back on the podcast, buddy. Thank you for joining us tonight. I sure appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. All right, thank Thanks, you, G Dub. This is my moment. I'll be all about that Wally. I'll be all about that Wally. I'll be all about that Wally. Man, I came for the go. All right, joining us now is uh, one of the best guys in racing. He's uh, he's very talented on the track. He's one of the best storytellers I've ever heard off the track. He's a part-time announcer. He's a crew chief. He's a little bit of everything, but just an all-around awesome guy. Fast by Fincham's very own Rodney Fincham. Hot Rod, welcome to the show. Hey, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Uh, it's always uh, uh, good to hear from my good old buddy, Jared Pennington and uh, Bo Gacky. Uh, like I say, it's an honor just to be uh, uh, associated with you two. You do so much for what we, uh, what we love, and uh, we all appreciate it. We appreciate that very much. Yeah, pleasure is ours, Hot Rod. Always a, a joy to get to talk to you and uh, and hear some of your experiences. That's why I think I'm. Uh, it's probably what I'm most looking forward to today. To be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, that you know the listeners. Um, I think most of them are going to know who you are, Hot Rod. You you're a guy from uh, Northeast Tennessee that uh, just races hard and and has a, a fun life. But man. You've done it all. I mean, you have done it all, and I'm looking for whatever you brought to the table today, I'm very much looking forward to. Well, sure enough, I, 
people that's known me and not known me and and all my life i've rode in and just a little bit of everything that you can imagine from wagons pulling wagons on dollies <laughs> uh, uh, for uh, tubs and s10s and you know you just name it like you said uh, just good old country boy born and raised in racing i've enjoyed it all my life watching my dad do it growing up you know, obviously yeah. got Jake now, uh, tag teaming a little bit with me, got Ryder coming up on the bottom here. So, uh, man, it's been a roller coaster, but I wouldn't have it no other way. Hot Rod, I, I think there's going to be an extremely small percentage of our listeners that has ever raced a minivan and didn't like the way that the weight was transferring and causing a little bit of spin on the front wheels. So went to run to Walmart real quick. Did you buy basketballs or footballs to put in the back of the chassis? Well, it's a funny thing you bring that up because uh, it was in the top of the list there of all the greats. But uh, <laughs> I had to call up my uh, old buddy Tim Griffith. I figured he was one of the best at uh, the street car uh, uh, weight transfer division. <laughs> and sure enough, he put me on those high-dollar Walmart basketballs. Basketballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First question, he wants to know if it's a leaf spring. I said, well, it sure is. He said, basketballs, that's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story that didn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> this one didn't get to the top I, I, of the list. <laughs> I promise you, it was next to the best. So <laughs> if that tells you what I'm going to tell. It's uh, a dang good story. But without further ado, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, the number one on your list here, Hot Rod. Yeah, tell well, us I'll the story. Like I said, uh, uh, this was a toughie. Jerry uh, sort of hollers at me there and needs me to pick out the a story because we've not got a whole lot of time uh, out of all my books which one i'd want to tell and boy that was a toughie but uh <laughs> and the boys ran into a good and good one this past summer a good one. and uh that's some more of that northeast tennessee talk but anybody that knows me just hang in there hey it, it'll work out in the end somehow <laughs> but, we trust in rodney <laughs> they call him for rain all over the country so uh, we're trying to find a dry racetrack. So uh, looks like uh, the two best options is Greer, South Carolina, or Farmington, North Carolina. So we head out there Saturday morning, headed to Farmington, and last-second decision, I decide that Greer looks better. So we veer off and head toward Greer. We're three hours away from home. Sure enough, we, we're, the, we're the only one of the two that gets rained out. Farmington races all night long. We get rained out. <laughs> So, uh, so we 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 ease our way on back toward Tennessee there, and I pull over to get a little fuel, try to use the debit card there, and it turns it down. Which obviously there's never a whole lot of money in there, but there was enough to carry the gas bill, you know. <laughs> uh, so we uh, I pay cash, and I don't think anything about it. And I get on home. It's about two o'clock in the morning. And I've Googled everywhere in the country again, trying to find somewhere to race on Sunday. And I-64 is going to race. But I tell you what, it looks like uh, Hurricane Anna up there at the time at 2 in the morning. <laughs> so I sort of figure it's not going to happen. So that next morning I wake up, it's about 11 o'clock. And the first thing I see on my phone is i-64s racing sun's out whole nine yards it's a four-hour trip now it's 11 o'clock i'm still in the bed <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
I jump out of there, look like tornado lightning's hit me. Call up my buddy uh, Cone, Bill Billy. He said, buddy, you can make it. I said, man, ain't no way I can make it. He said, if I have to go out here and oil down the racetrack, you can make it. Said, I grabbed both boys by the drawers, and we're grabbing clothes, not what all. We pile that truck, and we head out. We get about three hours into the trip. Obviously, we're going to have to fuel up again, so I pull back in fill her up there, try to use my debit card, turns it down again. I thought, hmm, this ain't good. I said, Jake, how much money you got on you? He said, about $80. I had about $80. <laughs> that wasn't going to cover our entry fee, you know. <laughs> so I eat on the store there and get my, I try the ATM there. Well, no success there either. So I come back out and I make a phone call. And come to find out somebody's hacked my account. They've got me for about 500 and it shut it down. So, uh, <laughs> now that 500 almost got it all, but still, we have to survive, but we can't use it. So, I thought we're 45 minutes from the racetrack now. So, we pile back in the truck. Jake says, What are we going to do? I said, Son, I've got a checkbook. They'll take a check. We're in there. So uh, we commenced for getting on up the road in our uh, uh, brand new uh, Cadillac of a truck that I've had since Jake was born. And uh, I mean, it's still cruising right along, you know. It hits on six or seven out of the eight cylinders, you know what I mean? We're cruising. I mean, we're up town. You know I mean? About the air conditioner on, all four windows is down, you know what I mean? Uh, we're cruising on up the road. We come into the exit there, and I start to get off the exit. I look in the mirror, and it looks like the forest fire has fell out. I mean, they smoke going everywhere. Well, about the time I see it, I smell it. So I make that big bailer up. And you talk about finish line driving. I bailer this thing up. <laughs> I've got the off-ramp blocked. The interstate's backing up. When we pull over, I said, Jake, get right or out. Truck's on fire. He said, what? I said, the truck's on far, son. Get right or out. So they fell out of the truck. I pull the hood. They spar comes out each side of the hood. Safety <laughs> first. I've got water jugs in the back, you know. So I jump in the back, grab me a couple of water jugs, get the fire put out. Now, needless to say, about five minutes has went by, and we're in panic mode here. We've got 50 gallons. <laughs> alcohol in the back of the truck and the truck's a blazing <laughs> this that ain't good rodney like i say we've got the we've got the off-ramp block the interstate's backing up we're about four or five minutes in and i hear sirens so i don't know if i've been on fire for a little while and somebody's done called it in but within <laughs> five minutes i've got emergency truck fire truck state troopers I mean, we got stuff going on right here. The helicopter's on its way. Hit this TV six is on its way. There's <laughs> <laughs> stuff happening on the interstate up here. So uh, after I get it put out, I think this guy says, "Buddy," he said, "You had a far? <laughs> well, I'm thinking I have. What I mean, I, you know, I've got traffic block blocked for about ten miles. Looks like you know what I mean. I'm pretty sure I've been on far. I said, "Let me get your this man. <laughs> So I jump in the truck there, but obviously when I hit the clutch, it just falls to the floor, hits burnt the line into, and it's hydraulic clutch. So I ain't got no clutch. I kick her in neutral. 
she fires right up, purring like a kitten. <laughs> I down. I said, buddy, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if you'll go up there and block that intersection up there, I said, I'll get this truck off the road for you. He said, hey, you going to get it off the road? I said, don't worry about that. You just block the road. I ain't going to be able to stop. No fun. <laughs> <laughs> They take fire trucks and safety trucks, and I don't know what all, and they block that whole intersection off for me, and they give me the go-ahead. So I, I told Jake, I said, get Ryder back in the truck. He said, Daddy, he won't get in. I said, why not? I said, Ryder, son, truck. We ain't got time to talk about it. You got to get in the truck. It's okay. So we finally talked him into getting that back in the truck. So get him buckled in there. I throw that thing in low gear, and I go to cranking it. Sound like it looks like we're on a, a, a mad bull. We're huckle bucking. This thing finally cranked up. <laughs> huckle bucking? Is that what you Yeah, it's huckle bucking. I'm telling you, it's uh, heads and going on, you know, trying to crank. So uh, like I say, we look like we're on a mad bull. So I get that thing fired up, get her going up through our speed shifter and get her in second. By now I'm to the I'm to the where they've got it blocked. So I make the little right there. Well, there's a big truck stop right there. Well, as we're going, all the gauges are good. It's running fine. You know, all the, it's still smoking where it's been on fire, but everything seems to be in pretty good shape. So <laughs> other than the, the fire, it seems to be in good shape. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be fine. He said, Dad, ain't you pulling over? I said, son, if we pull over, we're not going to make the races. I said, we ain't got time to pull over now. We're going. So when I look back, I give them old boys a wave and left them standing back there on the road now, and they've got everything blocked from interstate. I don't know how far off. Son, we go out of sight, smoke just a bullet out of this truck. So we still got the same problems now. We ain't got no clutch. We got to go right through the middle of town. And we still ain't got no money. We don't even know if we can race if we get there. <laughs> so, so we roll into the racetrack. I, I speed shift this thing. Every red light we come to, I'm having to kick it in neutral and cut it off, you know, and then same deal, put it in low gear and huckle buck out there while it cranks, you know. So I can imagine. Huckle Bucket, you know, I can just imagine what people's thinking at the red light. You know, I, this cat's pulling a race car and can't drive this truck. A <laughs> we roll in at the gate there, and I just pull over out of the way, kick it neutral, and shut it down. And like I say, it's still smoking where it smoldered under the hood. You know, I go up to the window and I tell that woman, I said, "Honey." I ain't got time to explain to you what all's happened to me today. But I said, I ain't got no money. Somebody's hacked my account. I can't get no money, but I've got an open check if you'll take it. She said, honey, ride it. I said, Jake, unload the race car. (laughs) 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 Unload it. You know what I mean? There's 10 cars left in line to make the last time shot, you know. We've rolled in on far, no clutch, no money, no nothing, but we have got a check and they'll take it. <laughs> so things are looking up. I try to find the positives, you know. When they take the check, things are looking up, you know. Needless <laughs> to say, we roll in there, we double up, we cruise through a few rounds there. I finally do my normal about third round, get just wore out, you know. But I've been working on the truck between rounds because, I mean, we still got to drive back home whenever this whole shebang's done, you know. <laughs> so while Jake's doing a little bit of race and I'm working on the truck, next thing I know, he's sitting in the final. So, shoot, here we are, you know. I've borrowed every 
hose clamp that the racetrack owns. If, if somebody had a race car and had a hose clamp, I had it. I finally get this thing back together. Jake, he fools around there, wins the race, wins us a little bit of money. So we go down there to get our money. They pay us with a check. <laughs> we got, we got $1,100 in our pocket and can't spend a nickel of it. So I to this cat, what's went on, you know, he said, well, he said, uh, he said, why don't we just write you a smaller check and pay you a little bit of cash? I said, boy, we're, we're working on something now. You're working with me. <laughs> now I got to ask, did they just go ahead and take your entry fee out of the winnings? Cause I love you, yeah. Rodney, but if I'd have been a race promoter, that's probably the way I'd have handled that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I would have had to do that. Check up and subtract that right off the bat. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I mean, they were working with me. You know what I mean? Uh, that, I mean, that's off to the good I, people at I sixty four, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, they were working with me. You know, I mean, I rode in the truck hype on fire. You know what I mean? They they was working with me. You know. <laughs> but, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, we finally did limp this thing back home the next day, and uh, made a memory for life. I can only imagine what the fire people thought when I went out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> that boy will never make it to what they thought. <laughs> they, they thought, we hope he makes it to the next town before that thing catches on fire again so yeah, they don't call out, us. They get out of our jurisdiction. Call, <laughs> they call somebody else. <laughs> I don't know if they're glad to see me going or in shock or what. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that one sure didn't disappoint, Hot Rod. I have not heard that story. That was, <laughs> that was one of your all-time best. Well, like I say, uh, I scarred Ryder for life. He, he don't hardly ever want to ride in the truck anymore. And to roll in there and, like I say, Phil Combs and all the, the, the gurus were trying to help me in the whole nine yards. And then Jake finally does win the race, you know, so at least we got something out of it. And we did limp that thing right on back to the house, still purring like a kitten. <laughs> Huckle bucking and everything. Huckle bucking. I'm telling you, son, we've got it going on. I'm telling you right now. Well, Hot Rod, that's an awesome story. And we can't thank you enough for, for sharing it with us. Uh, again, for the listeners that that might not be aware of, of Rodney and his past, uh, look Over up. Here? Yeah, we, we got you. Look up fast by Fincham to all the listeners, and you'll you'll never have to wonder who this is again if you don't know already. It's worth your time. <laughs> well, Hot Rod, thank you so much. Well, like I say, uh, uh, it was an honor just to uh, just to talk Williams and get to tell a little story. And like I say, uh, just old country boy trying to make it racetrack to racetrack. You know what I mean? Uh, wouldn't have wouldn't have it no other way. You know, watch. You know, enjoyed it with watching my boys grow up and uh, and to watch to come. You know what I mean? We're we're prime examples. Uh, it don't take a whole lot to have a whole lot of fun. Absolutely, and you uh, you still got the best to come. You you raising uh, one heck of a racer in Jake Ball, and you got uh, you know Ryder coming up, Farstone coming up pretty soon here. He'll he'll be killing them too. Well, like I say, uh, I look forward to it. And like I say, once again, we can't say enough about what Jared Pennington and Steve Stott and uh, Bo Gacky and people like you, uh, what you do for our sport. Uh, that, that, that's what it's all about. And uh, I humbly uh, appreciate all of it. No, for sure. A, 
it's all about people like you, Rodney. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. We've uh, got thousands of listeners that uh, can attest to that. At least they can if they have half the passion about this stuff that you do. So thank you, man. That was it was a blast. It was fun, and uh, we enjoy having you on. All righty. If you just need anything else, let me know, and I sure do appreciate you. Right, thank you, Rodney. All right, bye-bye. This podcast has been presented in part by Racing RVs. At this point, you should know about Racing RVs and what they're all about. They support sportsman drag racing at an unprecedented level, and they've helped hundreds of racers just like you. When the time comes to consider an upgrade to your racing program, new or used, trade-in or direct purchase, truck, motor, home, or trailer, give Joe Fisher at Racing RVs a call at 419-236-1328. Song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world. Well, that wraps up episode 11. Thanks to our sponsors. These are the folks that bring our podcast to you every week Racer Swag, Racing RVs, and This Is Bracket Racing. In addition, thank you to our guests, Gary Williams and Hot Rod Rodney Fincham. Also, thanks to our good buddy PJ North for providing the tunes and doing our intro. You can find PJ's work on iTunes. We plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year, so stay tuned for plenty more going forward. To get the latest episode before your friends, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts, whether it be iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play. If you like what you hear, rate and review the podcast. That's how we move up in the rankings so that more people can find us. If you don't like what you hear, let us know so that we can work to deliver a better show for you. Uh, And finally, be sure to join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook to interact and become part of the conversation this week week thank you all for listening and we will touch base next week thanks guys this way alive banging on the door bump 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 until i get it in attitude like i am already winning in foot breaking in anything bottom ball before pretend i'm rolling in the cutty switching feet like jerry in my truck, just to try my love, spending money that I don't have, still can't get enough, be working nine and Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action take steps toward becoming that racer. 
If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.